How many have the victory? He's already given us the victory. Do you believe that? He won it, but he won it for you and for me so that we could be free today in this place. I am so honored to be here tonight, and I feel that God has given me a message that I wrestled with because it's a, it's a word from God that I actually spoke just a few weeks ago in my church, and as I wrestled, God's like, I want you to bring that to this place. So I believe it's for somebody here. I believe that it's for a lot of us here to know that God, who already won the victory, he already did the thing to set us free. But do you really believe that? Do you believe it? And if your answer is yes, are you walking in that? Are you experiencing that in your life? And I, I want to just share a little bit. My wife and I planted a church about six years ago in Chesterton, Indiana. We've been in ministry for 20 years and associate pastor, worship leader, doing all those things. And, and God called us to this town called Chesterton. And it's been an amazing experience. And, and I want to give honor to this church and to this pastor. Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie been a part of our life for almost all those 20 years. Let's give it up for them and the ministry of this house. Amazing ministry and it really changed my life and I just want to take a minute to tell you who I was before Jesus. How many of you know we all have that story, who we were before Jesus? When I was a very young man, I lived in a house that was completely chaotic. I, I had a mother that was married eight times, had other dads in and out or, or whoever you want to call them in the house, a lot of abuse and I was hanging with the wrong crowd. And that crowd was a, a guy that was a little bit older than me. I was about 12 or 11 years old, believe it or not. When I look at my kids that are, that are 10 and 13 and 22, I look at them and I'm like, man, I was so young, but I felt like I was so old. Anybody relate to that? Like you feel like you're so big at that age. And I was hanging with this crowd and, and we were doing all kinds of stuff, skipping school. They were in high school. They would meet me and we ran away. We decided to run away because that's a good idea when you're young and have no money is you're just going to run away, right? So we're like, we're going to run away. We're going to do this. And, and my home life was horrible. So I was really getting an upgrade probably by running away. And, and we decided to run away. And so we ran away. And then we learned really quick later on that day that we didn't prepare for this. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any clothes. We didn't have anything. And so let's go back and let's get really prepared. We had no food. So we went back home. And we, we got into the house, me and my buddy. And, and my parents came home at that moment. Now, understand, it was my stepdad and my mom, very abusive in our house. And so I told my friend, hide under the bed. He hid under the bed, and I began to just meet them because we, we caught it too late, so we couldn't get away. So they came in, and they were very upset because we had been gone, and we had ran away. And, and so they proceeded, my stepfather proceeded to take me in his room and take the shoelaces out of my boots and, and tie me up and to begin to beat me very abusively. And so here's the moment. My mom is like upset with me, but then it got so crazy that she's like, stop it. And then she got pushed or shoved and she went to the other end of the house. Now, mind you, I'm telling you this story for a reason, but during this process, I turn around and look during the beating and my friend had got out from under my bed, grabbed a fillet knife that was in my room because I love to fish and hunt. He grabbed the fillet knife and he's standing at the door and I turned and I looked at him and I knew that he was willing to do something extreme in this moment and I just shook my head no. He went back, we re I received the beating and then later that afternoon once it calmed down and they weren't paying attention, we ran away. Now, after that happened, there was a lot of stuff happening with us running away. We broke into houses. We slept in houses. I broke into this one house. Mind you, I was 12 years old, and the family came home, and when we found out they were coming home, they were already home, and so I had crawled under the bed. It was the first place we could go. This was an older couple, and they decided to come home and go straight to bed. So we're laying under their bed. 
My heart is beating out of my chest. I feel like every breath is like 6,000 decibels, and I can't keep it quiet. I'm looking at my friend, and I didn't know what to do. Well, they fell asleep. Long story short, we snuck out. To this day, I don't know if they ever knew there was somebody under their bed, and we got away from it all. And years later, my grandmother saved my life and pulled me out of the school district that I was in, literally put me in a private school. That was starting the moments of leading me back to Jesus. And just long story short, that friend of mine, after I was disconnected from him for a few years, was arrested for attempted murder, and he was thrown in prison. And he spent a lot of time right here in, in Michigan, Jackson, Michigan prison, which then years later he escaped and was caught again. I tell you all of that to say that no matter what you can come at me with tonight of what your life is like, I could probably relate in some way, and I want you to know that Jesus is bigger, that he has the victory, that he can turn that thing around in your life no matter what you're facing. And so I want to share with you a scripture because when it comes to your life, no matter what side of the tracks you were born on, no matter where you're from, Jesus changes everything. And the answer to everything is Jesus. It doesn't matter, well, you don't know my situation. I may not, but I know the answer is Jesus. Well, you don't know what I'm addicted to. I may not, but the answer is Jesus. He's always the answer. And God led me to this story in the book of John. If you have your Bibles, you could turn there or follow along on your smartphones, but it's John chapter 5 verse 5, a very common, you may have heard this story, but I want to just hopefully reveal some things that God showed me. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, there was a pool, which is called Bethesda and is surrounded by five colored colonnades. And when here, the great number of disabled people used to lie there. It was the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, maybe the financially desperate, maybe whatever you're dealing with. Those people were there, verse 5. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for such a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into this pool when the water is stirred. So while I am trying to get in, somebody else goes ahead of me. Now, understand this. If you get into this water, as it's being stirred, you can be healed. Look at verse 8. So then Jesus looks at him and says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once, Jesus cures this man. It says at once the man was cured, he picks up his mat, and he walks. It's like this miracle that happens. This guy's there for 38 years. And I want you to know something today, that no matter what you're facing, Jesus sees you. See, he doesn't just see a crowd of people in this room. He sees you individually. He doesn't just see everyone and all the issues. He sees yours individually. You may feel like you've been there for 38 years, but when Jesus shows up, he sees you. He knows what you're going through, and he knows what you're facing because all we actually need is Jesus, the answer to everything. And if, if you don't know why you need him, it's going to be hard for you to figure out how to get him to work in your life. We first have to come to the realization that we need a savior, that we need some, that what you are doing isn't working, that what I was living in wasn't God's best. It wasn't working for my life, and I needed something different. And at that young age, I really didn't have the means to make a big change, so I, I tried to do different things. But in the end, Jesus is the only thing that has that victory breakthrough for you. You see, you can, you can look at me tonight at Sunday night here at Res, all church-like and perfect, and act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but I guarantee you this, that most of you have been, or even are today, in a position in your life where you're looking at this pool, you're looking at this thing that can 
save you, set you free. You're looking to Jesus to do something, but you're staying where you currently are at, and you're not seeing that promise fulfilled in your life. That you're sitting there, and you're wishing, it's in your view, you know it, you're in church tonight, you can see it, but you've probably complained that you can't get to it. You've probably complained that you weren't born in the right family or the right area or you don't have the right job or something with your spouse. You probably have those areas of your life, but the answer is Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus is always moving, always seeking, always looking to do something in our life. And while this man couldn't get to the pool, Jesus could get to him. Isn't that good news? He may not have been able to get there, but Jesus came right to him. And he begins to ask him questions, and those questions are really intended to reveal what's in our heart. See, a lot of times Jesus brings by the Holy Spirit questions to us, trying to reveal what's really in our heart. It's not like Jesus doesn't know the answer, therefore he has to ask a question. He knows what it is. He's trying to get us to begin to reveal what's actually in our heart. And what would we actually say to Jesus if he shows up and asks you whether you wanted to be healed? What would we say if he showed him and said, whether you want your finances back in order, whether you want your marriage to be awesome, whether you want your kids to be awesome, come on somebody, whether you want those areas of your life, what would we actually say? We would be just like this guy, of course we do. Jesus, of course we want you to do this. I mean, do you want to get rid of those sins or those addictions or those areas of your life that you're struggling with? And it seems like a silly question, doesn't it? Do you want to be healed? Do you want this to be fixed? Of course we would want that. Of course this man wanted to be healed, but perhaps, and let me just challenge you for a moment, perhaps this man was comfortable being uncomfortable. Perhaps he was comfortable with the chaos. I don't know actually how you do it here, but if you hear something, this is something we learned recently, if you hear me say something that you know is for somebody else in the room, I want you to go, well. And then if you hear something that's for you, I want you to go, well. That way we don't know who you're talking about or who it goes to. You're just like, amen, preach it, well, whatever your answer is, okay? So here's the deal. Perhaps you have grown comfortable in your uncomfortable. Perhaps you know exactly what you need to do, but you're a little bit fearful to step out and make a change. You know what God promises you, but you're somewhat comfortable in the chaos because you're used to it. Because you've been in it for 38 years. Because you've been in that family like I was that was just dysfunction junction, and it's just what you got used to. Perhaps we are afraid to believe God because we're comfortable with the chaos. Or perhaps the man had grown accustomed to his disability, and he would prefer that known pain rather than the fear of the unknown. I I wonder how many times we are not comfortable, but we make ourselves comfortable with the uncomfortable because the fear of what the unknown could be would be a lot different. I don't want to offend anybody, but just perhaps there's people that have a disability check that they don't know what they would do if Jesus healed them and how they would provide for themselves. They trust God that, yes, he could heal me, but could he also provide for me? Do you understand that we could get caught up in how do I believe God for that unknown thing? What's going to happen if I'm made well? Understand this guy had been there for 38 years. Therefore, he may not have had a great life. We know he didn't, but he was begging and he was getting people to give him things. He was eating. He wasn't dead. He knew that every day he was provided for, but if something happened or he was truly healed, then how would he live? 
The question or the fear of the unknown therefore can drive us and the pool of Bethesda was actually a pool of outcasts or a pool of sick people or a pool of just those that aren't doing that great in life and it actually means the the house of mercy. So here's an area of people that needed mercy, area of people that were sick or they were struggling and I believe in modern times if it was today we could all hang out at this pool because we all have areas of our life that we need help, we need guidance, we need God to restore different areas of our life and so Jesus went there. And I love that about our God, right? He goes to where we are. He goes to the midst of it, and he was there, and Jesus actually found the hardest guy probably there. The guy that had been there 38 years, the guy that couldn't walk, couldn't get up, he was an invalid. He didn't go to all the other people, which we know there was others there, but he went to one of the hardest ones there. And and let me just tell you, this is why you need a church like this. This is why you need campuses. And this is why you need people to minister and you need to share your story. Because we live in a world that is lost and dying and God wants to use you to make a difference. Don't shout me down when I'm telling the truth. This is why we do what we do. This is why we go and do what we do because there's a world that needs it and Jesus is looking for people that he could use to change the world. I'm gonna tell you, the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus uses the church to change the world. This is why, as at our church in Indiana, we say this is why we're going to be one church, many locations, because we want to reach people. If the mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost, then that's our mission, to reach out to those that don't know him, to help heal those that are broken, to do that, allow God to use us. Not so that we could say we got an awesome church, but so we could say we have an awesome God that wants to touch you right where you're at. You see, as Jesus shows up to minister to this guy, we don't know this man's name. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say who he is, but let me tell you something. People knew who he was. Everyone in the town knew who he was. There's the guy that had been sitting there for 38 years. It's like society begins to label you by what your issue is. That You may not be known in, in the world by your name, but people would know that's the house where the addicts live, and that's the house where the sick people are at, and that's the neighborhood where, you know, those kind of people. And we begin to name people and allow society to label people because oftentimes life will label you by the name of your issues, not really who you are. But Jesus sees exactly who you are because he created you to be who you're supposed to be. That before you were ever in your mother's womb, he knew the call and the purpose, what it was for your life. He sees that potential in you. The vision of our church, Road to Life Church, is to help people realize and reach their potential in Christ. Because God has put that in each and every one of us. And, And the most devastating thing to me is driving by a cemetery because I know that it is full of untapped potential. That Jesus put into people that he wants to see come to pass. I didn't come here to motivate you, but I did come here to say that you have purpose in Christ. And if you put the in Christ in your life, your purpose will just naturally come forward. It'll naturally begin to change those around you as you live that out. And I'm passionate about it because I know Jesus changes everything. 
And so here's this guy giving Jesus the excuses. And, and I've preached messages where Jesus shows up and this man just begins to tell him all the reasons why he can't get to the pool and why he can't get fast enough and why everyone else is beating him to the pool. And that's why he isn't up or healed or, or changed. But, but let me just tell you, when you live a life hanging around people that are sick people or negative people or lazy people or ungodly people, you'll eventually stay that way. Some of you need to write that down and begin to say, God, help me with my influences. I want to be a light to those people, but I don't want that to be my main influence because I don't want to stay that way. I want to be pushed to what God has for me. Oftentimes, we make a plan in our life that comforts us or our situation, but it doesn't challenge us. I want to make a plan that comforts me. So I'm the guy that sits at the gate every day and I, I make the reasons why I can't get to the pool. And so that's my plan. What are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to go sit at the gate. I'm going to make a plan that works around my comfort zone, not one that challenges me. I mean, do you believe as an invalid? I, I don't know. Maybe somebody, he could have paid, got somebody to carry him to the pool, laid him on the side. This may sound cruel, but then when it bubbles, he just rolls in rolls in you know that move you just roll maybe because just imagine there's probably a blind person there that can't see when it bubbles but he can hear it and his legs work and so he always beats him to it see there's always going to be reasons why you aren't getting what you're supposed to be getting but Jesus wants to get it to you he wants to heal you from those things and we make plans or we organize our life so often to deal with our fear or to keep us comfortable rather than challenging us to do something bigger now it's important to know that as Jesus is speaking to this man, this man doesn't even know who Jesus is. He doesn't recognize him. He doesn't know he's the Savior of the world. He's the Son of God. He doesn't know this guy has the power to heal him in this moment. He doesn't even know who he is. How many times, let me ask you, has Jesus been working in your life and you didn't even know it? How many times has Jesus aligned your life? I say that because I can see now looking back when I was young, the things that happened in my life, God was constantly trying to position me to get me out of those areas, to get me out of those friendships, to get me out of those school districts or whatever it was, positioning me because he had a call on my life. And even though I was running away, God was always working. How many times has God been working in your life and you didn't even recognize it? You didn't even know it was Jesus trying to do something in your life. I can tell you this, that you will always be able to look back and see God all over your picture, all over your plans, because he's always working, always seeking, always looking for ways to change our lives. And this guy is there on his mat. Somebody say mat. Can you see the blessing? He's sitting there every day. Imagine this, sitting at a spot every day, and you can see your miracle, literally. You can see your blessing. It's just right over there. If you could just get to it, it's in your eyesight. You have vision for it, but you can't find a way to get there. And like I said, maybe other people are getting there before him. Look at verse 6. So when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Duh. Hello? Do you want to get well? Jesus, again, asks the question, not because he doesn't know the answer, but he's trying to reveal something out of this man's heart. Do you want to get well? And in this moment, this man begins to share his facts or his reality. See, these may not be excuses for you. These may be your reality. I can't afford it. 
I, I, my spouse is crazy. Whatever your reality is, I can't get that job. Whatever it is, he begins to share his realities. This plan, Jesus, this whole sitting at the pool, I'm trying to be here, but this plan isn't working for me. And when he reaches out and begins to tell Jesus that it doesn't work, Jesus begins to change it. He wants to change it for you. He gives this command, verse 8. Then Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I believe Jesus was like, get up! I don't think Jesus was like, you know, you can get up if you want to get up. Hey, let's get up. I believe Jesus commanded him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Verse 9, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. At once the man was cured. That man cured. Why was he cured? Was it because he got up? I don't know. Maybe he got up because he was cured. All I know is Jesus said, get up, and after 38 years, he got up. He did exactly what Jesus told him to do. Jesus will get you up, church. He will call. Will you listen? But he's calling to you even tonight, get up. Get up out of that situation. Get up out of that fear. Get up out of that stuff that's debilitating you. Begin to get up because he is the miracle worker. That's who he is. He said, get up. Look, look what he says. Pick up your mat, verse 9 and 10. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who, they, who has been healed, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. This guy gets up, hear me out, and he begins to walk and the, the religious, I mean, you know, the religious, I'm not talking about people that love Jesus, I'm talking about the religious, they look and they say, oh my gosh, you're walking. Oh my goodness, I've seen you sitting for 38 years. Your legs didn't work, they're all deformed. Oh my goodness, no. They said, are you carrying a mat? <laughs> have you ever met somebody that don't see what God has done? They only see what you still have. They only can still see the mat. Can you believe it? They said, they said, you carrying that mat? They count, you know, back then they counted even the weight that you were allowed to carry on the Sabbath day. I told our, our team one morning that we do load in and load out at one of our campuses. I'm like, we wouldn't even be able to have church because you can't carry a speaker. It weighs too much, right? You can't carry that guitar. Lord knows that you, you know, that's obviously as, as ministers, Sunday's not our Sabbath, but th this is the religious. This is what it got to. The religious see him and they say it's the Sabbath, therefore you can't carry your mat. What? Like, like Jesus can come in and heal you from cancer. That the, 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 the test is completely gone. The cancer's gone, but you got a little bit of limp in your leg and they're like, you're still limping. What? Did you see the report? Did you see what, it was there and now it's gone. They're like, but you're still limping. You're still, lim I say, work that limp. You get a limp on, you're just like, working it. Work the limp. I got this. You're like, well, Jesus can heal it all. Yes, he can, but, but stay with me. The religious will call out the things that aren't healed. You're still limping. Isn't it crazy how religious people will say and see what you still have, but not see what you've come through? Listen, I I shouldn't be here today. I'm just going to tell you, I am a miracle. God has called me, and I shouldn't even be alive. I shouldn't be preaching the gospel. I should be dead. I'm, I'm trying to be a good dad, but I was never had a dad to show me how to be a good dad. Thank God I'm not where I used to be, but Lord knows I'm going somewhere that I've never been. Give me a break. Don't judge me because God's working on me. Come on. God is doing something in your life, and the first thing is somebody will come in and negatively see your mat. 
They'll see your limp. And they'll begin to call it out. God set you free. And they're like, well, why are you still limping? I'm going to mess with some of you here in a minute because it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I'm going to tell you that I'm in church, let alone preaching in church. It's a miracle that I'm a pastor of a church. It's a miracle that I'm even serving God. Everything in my life, whatever it is in your life, don't let that spirit get on you because God is doing a work in you and he wants to fully complete that work. Look at verse 11. But he replies, and I love this about this man. He says, the man who made me well He did this. He told me to pick up my mat. That guy, I don't know, that guy. I blame it on that guy. I don't know who it was, but it was that guy. He did it. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. I didn't know. So so the question becomes, why did Jesus ask him to even pick up the mat? He didn't need the mat, did he? He didn't need it anymore. Was Jesus just trying to be tidy and have him not leave anything there? I don't think so. Why would Jesus say, pick up your mat? The man doesn't need it. Maybe it weighed just a little bit more. Maybe Jesus wanted to just show the religious people that, that they don't, whatever. I don't know what the reason was. But this is what I think. Sometimes Jesus wants us to carry those things so that we don't forget where we came from. Sometimes Jesus, I don't ever want to forget my life without Christ in my life now. I don't ever want to go, I'm Pastor Dave. I don't ever want to be that guy. Like, I'm not on a pedestal. I am the same. I tell people all the time, I am no more anointed to live it than you are. God may anoint me as I minister, but I'm no more anointed. It's the same life. Don't lift me up. I know it could be honorable, but listen, I know that I don't deserve it, and Jesus did it. And he wants to do it for you. Maybe Jesus wanted him to carry it so he wouldn't forget so he wouldn't forget the problem. I mean, I never want to get so far away and forget who I was without Jesus. Because your mat may be different. They come in different shapes and different sizes. But let me tell you something. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, didn't he? And he said, God, take it. And God's like, you know what? I don't want to take it. I want to use it. Maybe the mat was something that God wanted to use in his life. Maybe there's areas of your life that Jesus wants to use. You will be surprised just with my past how many people I'm able to help because I can relate to them in that area of my life. I mean, you can see Jesus wants to use these things. You want to run from something. You want to leave it, and Jesus wants to use it. Verse 13. So the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away in the crowd. Later, Jesus found him at the temple, and he said to him, See... You are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I just want to stop for a minute for all of us who have been saved by Jesus, but we've gotten a little complacent in what God did in our life. We've kind of gotten a little sloppy in our faith walk with Jesus. Jesus is warning him. This is not a threat. It's a warning. Stop sinning or something will become worse. If you return to the vomit, eventually it will suck you in. He's telling us stop doing that. Verse 15, the man went away. And he told the Jewish leaders, I know who it was. It was Jesus. I met him in the temple. That's who it was. And he told them. And then the Bible says that when they found out, they wanted to kill him. And I believe Jesus was like, okay. (laughs) Isaiah said that this is going to happen. I already read it. I saw it in the Torah. I saw the prophecies. Jesus didn't freak out and run away. He was like, that's cool. This is what I'm here for. So my question for you tonight is, what is your mat? What is the area of your life that Jesus is asking you, first of all, to get up from and then to carry that thing that you're lying on or you're making excuses about and you've been saying that you're praying that he takes it away? What is that thing that God is saying, get up? Because today, will you truly say yes to Jesus and allow him to do it? 
Will you truly, if the worship team could come forward, will you truly do that? Will you allow him to do that, carrying your mat through the process to do what he wants to do? Because he wants to use it. See, so often we want to be ashamed of it. We want to embarrass it. And God doesn't want us to glorify that past, but he will use it. Jarrett read a scripture just a few moments ago in worship that was my final scripture that I think God is breathing on tonight in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Whatever you face, bankruptcy, divorce, whatever you have faced in your past, Jesus will use it to minister to other people, to touch other people. I grew up through my whole teenage years and into my 20s with a debilitating fear and anxiety and I could go to 20 counselors, and I'm sure they would tell me that it's because of this and it's because of that. When I was young, I went to this one counselor that his name literally was Dr. Payne. That was his name. <laughs> Scared me, 13 years old. And he would say, how do you feel? And then he'd roll his eyes back into his head. And I told my parents, I'm like, this guy is crazier than all of us put together. I could try to find those answers, but what I do know is I once was fearful, but then perfect love cast out fear. And now you'd be surprised at all the people that struggle with this that I'm able to help them because I get it, because I've been there. I understand. It doesn't make sense to somebody who doesn't understand. Why are you scared? There's nothing to be scared of. I get it. I understand. Maybe there's areas of your life that you get, and God wants to use that mat to help other people, to change their life. We don't know exactly why Jesus said pick it up except for he wanted to use it and maybe tick off some religious people because they deserved it I don't know but he wanted them to carry that thing and not forget where God had taken them I believe that Jesus wants to minister to our hearts in this place but the only way that he truly can do it is if we open ourselves up to him and become vulnerable and say you know what God I, I, I I've been comfortable in this chaos but I really do want freedom. I understand with freedom comes responsibility and that's what really gets people to push back, but I want it. And so if I can trust you to set me free, if I can trust you to heal me, I surely can trust you to provide for me, to make a way for me, to take care of steps two, three, four, five. God, I just need you. And so I want you just to do this for a moment. Just bow your head, close your eyes, just for the next 30 seconds, no one looking around, and I want you to ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit in you, say, Jesus, what areas of my life have I accepted? Have I allowed the label to stick, the diagnosis to be a part, instead of going for what your word says? Because Jesus, you are coming to find me. And if you say, get up, God, and pick that up. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to allow you to use me, Jesus. You know, we say this in our church right now in our current series, just give me Jesus. That should be our heart's cry. And so when I want to ask you, if God is speaking to you and you know an area, I want you to put action to your faith and say, God, I hear you. Jesus, I hear your voice. I hear it. God sees your hands. Just lift it up. I hear your voice. I'm responding to you because I'm putting action to it. I'm going to acknowledge that you're speaking to me, and I want to be changed. I want to truly be healed. I want it your way, God. You can open up your eyes and look up here and 
What I want to do is I'd love to pray with some of you and agree with you that you could not just acknowledge it, but you could literally get up, pick that thing up, and begin to do what Jesus has called you to do. Because the only difference between somebody you look at that is successful and you, if you think that you're not successful in an area, is that person got up. See, I say all the time that let I don't know lead you to I'll find out. Because if you lay in it, you stay in it. One of our pastors is a pastor's in the prison, and he says you get started by getting started. If you don't know Jesus and you want to get your heart and life right with him, it's as simple as saying a prayer and believing in God. And so right now, take that step because faith without works is dead. We're going to put action to our step. Take that step.